Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 146. We are recording on January 20th. I am Sharifa Williams here with Jen Northington. And today it's time for Jen's favorite thing in the world, stats. <laughs> we are looking back at 2022 on this show and talking about some of the most picked titles, some of our most discussed authors, lots of good stuff, all tracked by Jen and her famous spreadsheets. I just can't. It's like I like trip over something and I've made a spreadsheet. Like I just can't. I don't know what it is. There's just something so satisfying about being able to see things all beautifully lined up and filterable. I have a problem. I have a spreadsheet problem. But I think it's fun to look at this stuff. So here we are. Yes. I also I love it. it yeah. I love. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, everybody should know that I have a terrible head cold, and uh, I'm like right. on a lot of DayQuil, so we'll see how this goes, but just FYI, our sound editor is going to be doing extra work on this episode, so big, big appreciation for Caitlin in advance. Tis the season. I am so, I, I feel for you because I have been sick podcasting before, and yeah. it's not fun, but we're going to get through this, and we're going to do our best. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we talk about some stats, we wanted to remind everybody that we have TBR, that's tailored book recommendations. And you know, a certain season, a certain holiday is coming up, Valentine's or Galentine's Day. And if you're trying to find the perfect gift for your Valentine or Galentine's, uh, I recommend, and we all recommend, gifting tailored book recommendations. So if you do send TBR as a gift, your friend, boo, partner will tell our professional book nerds about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they can just sit back and our bibliologists will go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget, so you can surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations this Valentine's and visit mytbr.co slash gift. Again, that's mytbr.co slash gift. All right, so we are going to take a break for a sponsor, and then we're going to talk news. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate 
or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay. News. Uh, do you want to <laughs> talk about a news story first? Yeah. <laughs> so first I want to do a follow-up yes. on the last episode we talked about how Wakanda Forever was going to be released on Disney+. Plus. On February 1st, and one of our listeners, Megan, thank you, Megan, for writing and pointed out that I had completely misunderstood the tweet because Disney did not use commas, and so the grammar was misleading. It is not one day only. You can watch it starting on February 1st only on Disney Plus, not only on February 1st on Disney Plus. So Megan, thank you for clearing that up. You have more time than one day to watch Wakanda Forever, which is great news for all of us. I apologize for uh, giving you wrong information. I will take my frantic calendar um, note off of my Google. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I might leave it on there just because it's fun to have like a designated like movie date as it were. So, but you know, if for some reason February 1st does not work for your schedule, you have more time than that. So that's good news. Um, Also good news. I want to do, I want to talk about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur first, if that's cool with you. That sounds great. Uh, I I don't know, Sharifa, how much you've been following this. I actually talked about, we talked about a teaser um, when Erica was guesting on the show, whatever that was, like a couple months ago, maybe. So here's here's the update. Um, Gizmodo has the actual trailer reported on by Sabina Graves. We got a teaser that was like basically a music video, um, which was amazing. And uh, now we have the actual full trailer, which is, and this is going to be also on Disney Plus starting in February. So February 1st is like a good day for Disney Plus content as far as I'm concerned. Um, This trailer is amazing. I have read some of the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur comics. So I was super excited to see this. Everything about it, I just like, I was frantically texting my brother so that he could show it to my niece. Like I'm just 100% in on this. It sounds really cool. I... I just watched the trailer this morning and I love the art style. I I really like it when we get something different with animation art styles. And I see, I've seen that. I think they compared in this piece, they compared the art style to Into the the Spider-Verse, which I loved. Like that style was so cool. This one seems a little bit different to me, but it is still like, amazing and I also love that she is on quad skates because you know I had my fling with quad skates (laughs) so I'm just like I I love everything about this I agree February is you know looking like a really great month for Disney plus content and I cannot wait to watch the first episode of this series. Yeah. And just to like give it a quick quick summary, um, yeah. Moon Girl is the superhero name of Lunella, who is a young black girl who lives in New York City and is a, is a tiny genius. She's a tiny genius. Um, <laughs> and she like accidentally imports a T-Rex into New York City like you do, who becomes her you know, crime-fighting companion. Um, and we get to see her with her friends, with her family in this trailer. It's just, like, super fun looking. I can't wait for it. So get excited. Yeah. Super exciting. Super exciting. Well, I am going to talk about a quick one, actually. We just released on bookriot.com our most anticipated And it's yet another opportunity for all of us to add too many books to our TBR for the top (laughs) of the year. Uh, (laughs) And I took a look at some of the fantasy picks and the science fiction picks. And also, I do recommend 
Um, when you click on this in the show notes, also going to fiction and horror because there are some speculative works and some supernatural stuff in there as well. Um, but one of the titles that I, for some reason, didn't see on my radar at all is a work in translation. And I am forever looking for more SFF works in translation. It's called Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez and it's translated by Megan McDowell and I think it just like hits the white hot center of like the zeitgeist of what everybody seems to be enjoying lately which is gothic horror and also cult stories so this is a combo of yeah it's so it's a gothic horror story set in 20th century Argentina and it's about a family who belong to a cult. And there's also, there's some supernatural stuff happening in this one. So the cult is channeling the darkness, capital D darkness. And the the fate of his family is soon going to be passed down to the son in this family. And so there's a whole family and generational struggle that's happening here. It sounds really good. And I'm so glad I scrolled through the list to check out some of the titles and see if there was anything I was missing um, on my radar. But they also shout out Chain Gang All-Stars, which we talked about, and Grady Hendrick's new work, How to Sell a Haunted House, and a lot of um, new stuff from some very popular authors among rioters and among just readers in general, like TJ Klune in The Lives of Puppets is here. Leigh Bardugo has a new one called Hellbent coming out. So lots of really um, cool titles in case we missed anything in talking about some of our upcoming anticipated reads. Um, check out this list. It, it has a lot of good stuff. Even if you read, you want to read stuff beyond SFF, um, there's plenty, plenty to add to your TBR. Yeah. That's also what I love about these lists is that people find titles that I just would not have come across. And that's the beauty of the crowdsourced most anticipated list at, at the riot. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. It's a good one. All right. Well, uh, we have some more D&D shenanigans news yeah. to talk about. <laughs> so I am going to do I'm going to do uh, like my best summarizing, but I'm also going to point y'all to two good pieces there, it's two parts of news. Um, so the first uh, piece that I list here is on TechCrunch, um, reported on by Amanda Silberling. And then the second piece is on the Mary Sue, reported on by Samantha Puck. Um, and here's the thing to know about this. So D&D, Wizards of the Coast, which is the you know parent company of D&D, in like uh, December, I want to say, released this update to their creator terms of service more or less um they have had a very like open policy for a very long time which is why things like you know critical role exist for example where people mm -hmm. can make money off of playing DD, &D, creating their own add-ons for you know the role-playing game you can sell your own versions and manuals for dungeons and things like this has been allowed you can you can kickstart these things it's like been allowed for a long time but they updated it and and then leaked it to, well they sent it to some prominent creators for a review and it was theoretically not supposed to be publicly you know, available for anybody else to see. But of course, it got leaked. And there was a huge backlash because they were basically making the terms much more restrictive creators who were earning money off of doing things like Kickstarters and live streams and all of that stuff would then owe Wizards of the Coast money um, in a way that was like, you know, creators were like, I would have to shut all this down. Like, I would not be able to do this anymore. Um, 
And, you know, the fan community for D&D got very, uh, there was a petition, like a huge blowback, huge blowback. So then, of course, Wizards of the Coast were like, that was just a draft. Like, we're, yeah, we thank you for the feedback. Um, And they just recently, there's a brand new update on this as of yesterday at the time of this recording on January 19th. Um, So they have now made it clear Based on, I mean, I really think it's got to be based on the blowback that um, the new, they're calling it the OGL. This is the licensing agreement that creators can, will be subject to. They're actually putting it under Creative Commons, um, which is a big deal because you can't take that back. Yeah. Once you've done that, like, that's it. It's, it's, you've done it. Like, there's no take backs for Creative Commons, apparently, which I didn't know. Um, and, you know, the other, like, there are other parts of this licensing agreement that do uh, still have, you know, there are changes being updated to those. This is where I get a little confused, but I think the Mary Sue breaks it down pretty well. Um, and they've got provisions for, like, dealing with hateful content because as we have covered, you know, some people are really gross yeah. with this stuff and uh, importing all kinds of, you know, racism and homophobia and transphobia into their uh, gaming setups. Um, but it's it's really interesting because, you know, as like somebody who's sort of on the outskirts of all of this, like I pay attention, but I don't regularly play. I'm not involved in this um, in any real daily way. It makes sense, right, that Wizards of the Coast would want to make money off of related content. Mm-hmm. But it's even more interesting to see that they have now put it under Creative Commons. Like that's a that's a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I can un- I can see how this would be challenging. I was when I first read about this before we got the update. I was definitely thinking about you know enterprises like Critical Role and yeah. how damaging that would be for the fan base. But also, like as you read more and more, you do realize that there it's a complicated. Yeah, it's a really complicated challenge that they're trying to deal with. I don't know how. <laughs> Like I, I, I would have seen the fan backlash coming a mile away. Oh, Maybe yeah. like they, they were hoping to do something. They were obviously not seeing this as something that was going to be out in the open and you know get that backlash. But I, I just felt like I learned a lot about because I also am not directly involved in a lot of Dungeons and Dragons creations and. You know, I do not, I do not play at all and don't really touch the game. So I felt like I learned a lot about like, you know, how they make the the small margin of profit some of these creators yeah. make, even when they're, um, you know, riffing off of D&D and what it could mean to have like their gross revenue um, chewed mm-hmm. into. So... This is just, I, I definitely also, I second recommending that everybody read these pieces because it's really interesting. Um, and there are so many pieces to the puzzle, but you did a great job of summarizing oh, it all. I tried. I probably got some stuff slightly <laughs> wrong or or really wrong, but um, that's my best understanding of it. And and like you said, you know, people should go in and read if you're interested. And I do think it's actually really interesting from... A fandom perspective from a licensing perspective from you know a gaming perspective like there's it's really fascinating so yeah yeah absolutely well for the last bit of news there is an exciting adaptation in the works in the form of a crouching tiger hidden dragon series this is reported on by molly templeton over at tour.com and I didn't realize that it's been 23 years since the release okay. of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I have so many big feelings about that because I saw it in the theater. Oh, wow. <laughs> and to be told. I know a lot of people who did. To be told that that was 23 years ago is rude. Quite frankly, rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm old. It's fine. It's fine. That is wild it is wild so it's been a minute and I remember it like the release of this movie was so big on so many levels because 
we hadn't really had a film like this. This is um so Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon was based on a book series, uh the Crane Iron Pentalogy and the actual movie was based off of I I believe it says the fourth book in the series. Yeah. So there's lots to work with. And I remember it being such like a cinematic feat to produce this film. And I kind of suspected even back then that more would come out of the movie than just the movie itself. So I am also kind of surprised. I, I think that in in the back of my mind, I thought I must have just missed mm. that something like this had already happened. So I I was kind of taken by surprise that we hadn't already had this. Um, but I am really excited because obviously we've come quite a way in twenty three years in terms of you know the the things we're able to do with film and cinematography and yeah. you know effects and this series is perfect like the story and um the style of film is so perfect for really harnessing a lot of the developments uh, and advances we've made with film and effects. So I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be executive produced, I believe it says, by Jason Ning. Um, so Jason Ning is adapting the series for Sony Pictures Television. And um, so this is the first, it's described as the first in a suite of live action series being produced by Sony Pictures for MGM and Amazon Prime Video. So that's where we'll be able to watch it, I assume. Um, and it doesn't, we don't get a lot. It's very early in the development of this series. So we don't get a lot of information about what we can expect from it. Um, but I also didn't realize and learn from this piece that the series was published in the late 1930s and early 1940s. So this is like, a classic yeah um and i'm really excited to see what happens with it what they do with it and how visually um stunning it's going to be because i expect it will be very visually stunning yeah no i'm super excited about this i you know i was thinking back to seeing it in the theater and i'm pretty sure that that was the first in translation like you know subtitled movie that I ever saw in yeah. a theater and that was like it's not art house like right it was like a blockbuster it was a huge deal it was absolutely a blockbuster and yeah. and that was a pretty like that's a pretty awesome moment when I think back on it um I had you know grown up on Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee movies um mm -hmm. but to like be in a theater with like you know tons of other people and it's huge on the screen and it's subject I mean it was just it was a really cool moment in my life and I am a gonna buy and read the series because I did not know that these were based I mean of course they're based on books like obviously but I didn't occur to me Everything that that is. would be true I know <laughs> so I'm excited to read the original because I love wuxia um books as well once I discovered that was a thing which took me way longer than it should have but I have read some others and super excited to add these to my stacks and and then yeah really excited to see what they do with it in terms of a series that seems like as you said it's perfect it's perfect so yeah I'm jazzed about that I think it, it paved the way for a lot of um, yeah subtitled films and I am so grateful because I've watched so yes. many amazing subtitled films since then yeah all right well before we get into some stats we're gonna hear from another sponsor Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. 
Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, we're back. And it's time to dig into some data. And I think that this one, I am always curious. I never look. I kind of like that it comes as a surprise to me <laughs> to see what our most recommended books were uh, for the previous year. And <laughs> I am, of course, like the one who is, I think the two titles at the top are yes. my fault. Um, <laughs> fault. That's an interesting <laughs> word choice. <laughs> Well, the book eaters is also you. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Um, So How High We Go in the Dark by – I'm just going to read the most recommended books, um, and then we can talk about it. So uh, How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu, Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century by Kim Fu, Light from Uncommon Stars by Raikeoki, when We Were Birds by Ayana Lloyd, Banwo, Siren Queen by Nevo, August Kitko and the Mechas from Space by Alex White, The Spear Cuts Through Water by Simon Jimenez, The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, The Book Eaters by Sunny D, and Nona the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. So many great titles in there. And I think there's only, is there only one book, I think, that we both recommended it's an interesting question i it is not part of my notes to say who recommended it i don't track that i think i do know that we both i'm pretty sure yeah light from uncommon stars i think was both of us well si- did you read siren queen i can't remember i didn't because yeah. i knew that you read it and right. had recommended right. it so i right. put it off so that, yeah. yeah, and August Kitko yes. was, the, I only was read club. that for the book club Right, episode. and that was me. That yeah. was all me driving that one. Yeah, yeah. a lot of these are me, <laughs> it turns out. Um, I don't feel bad about that. You love what you love. I do love what I love. <laughs> it's true. Well, I will say, the thing that I'm super proud of for this is that 
we actually these are the titles that got more than one like more than one recommendation but i think the highest was like three mentions and most of them were two so we actually don't double up that oh, often okay. like we do a really good job i think we do a really good job yep. of you know trying to make sure we talk about different stuff as often as possible but as you said we love what we love so you know there's bound to be some repeats and some of these were repeats because you know they were on our most anticipated mm-hmm. and then when we actually read them they were on our you know quarterly favorites or whatever so that's where most of the overlap comes from honestly is that we had been anticipating them and then we read them and loved them uh so it works out yeah. nicely i know so yeah but it's um i think it's a really i really love this list actually and it does make me want to get to the ones i haven't read you sent me the book eaters so i have that now in my yes. possession <laughs> and i also discovered when i was cleaning out my books i have a galley of lesser known monsters of the 21st century so that's oh, nice. getting bumped up on my list I still don't know if I'm ready emotionally for how high we go in the dark, Fair. but I, you know, it's on my radar. That's it's a that's radar. a tough one yeah. to read. It's really it really gets you, but I think lesser known monsters of the 21st century. Like there are some lighthearted uh, stories in there. I think in general, it's just like not as dark and challenging. Um, especially because it's not related to any right. pandemic stuff, which, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel the same way. I think I finally have to get to Siren Queen. Yes. Like, I cannot seem to escape that book. And I just love everything Nevo does. Yes. And I really wanted to read it. But, you know, there's always the balancing yes. act. I know we've talked about it before of like, well, I have to I only have so much time to read and I want to make sure that I'm recommending something different. And I 100 percent stress out about no. over recommending the same titles more than I think is necessary or fair to myself. Yeah. But um, I do like to go back and read those books because I know that eventually I will be able to recommend them for the backlist episodes That's right. as well. That's so. right. That's what I tell myself too. I was like, eventually this will be a backlist and then I can use it again. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Just <laughs> waiting to yeah. be able to use it. It's a balancing show. act <laughs> podcast recommending. It really is. It's, there's a lot of, you know, shenanigans that go into it on the back end that I don't think people realize. So... Yeah. Um I so yeah, so to to wait, okay, one one last question. Yes. Did have you read Nona the Ninth yet? Because I know that was high on your list. I haven't. Ugh. I see it. It's literally next to my <laughs> uh bed on my bookshelf over there, and I look at it all the time, and I'm currently um working through two different books that were on my TBR oh. before that. Well, that's but fair. Also, there's a part of me that wants to read, yeah. you know, do your whole um, reading list thing. Yeah. And I just know that's going to take me a while <laughs> knowing myself. Yeah. But uh, I just, maybe I just need to bite the bullet no, and you, it. And... It's there for you when you're ready. It's there whenever you get yeah. to. You'll know. You'll know when it's time, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be I need to be ready. That's right. I need to be ready. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well, we only so I so I filtered my my tracker by first by titles, which you know is what we just talked about, and then I was like, ooh, what authors did we recommend multiple times? In that we recommended different books by them. So not just that, like, we recommended ah. the same book twice, but what authors did we recommend oh. multiple titles by? So that's how this next section of most recommended authors came to be. And number one, surprising no one, is Nevo. <laughs> like, I just can't. <laughs> I think both of us just can't stop recommending those works. Like, there's so, there's such range. They There are so many different series now and titles. Like, there's the Gatsby one that you've read that I haven't. And then there's Siren Queen that I've read that you haven't. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, there's so much there. So. Yeah. And the novellas, the Empress yeah. of Salt and fortune exactly my obsession yeah that (laughs) that series is so good and I am absolutely not surprised by that one I was surprised by T. Kingfisher even though I know that's me (laughs) 
Well, I think I finally read. I finally read a T. Kingfisher this year. I think is what happened. So it was both oh, of us. Okay, I think great. is what happened. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I don't re- remember, <laughs> but I I can see because I know I have recommended the twisted ones a few times. And then there was that other baking. I I the, cannot remember yeah. the name of the book off. The now top I'm of trying head. to re- now I'm like, oh yeah, which which book was it though that I read? And of course I can't remember and I didn't look it up. Let's see if I can quickly come up with it here. But I think that's what happened because you know, T. Kingfisher was tricky for me because a lot of those books are horror. And, you know, obviously yeah. I steer a little clear. <laughs> but I think I did read well, and now of course there's like a billion titles, so I'm not gonna be able I'll find it after the show and we'll I'll update it it's in the spreadsheet it's in the spreadsheet yeah and I know there was a new release yes yeah yeah so, so it may, maybe it was that yeah but. I think that's where it there that's where it happened and then again an author who is one of our go-tos Sylvia Moreno Garcia also yep. on the list um no surprises there I got really obsessed with daughter of Dr. Moreau which was on definitely most anticipated and one of my quarterly favorites I want to say oh yeah and um but also we talk about you know she's got so many books to recommend yeah I I know I read you know of course I we all I can't remember if you read it Mexican Gothic I know that, uh, that was one, one is one that everybody else horror. read yeah so I didn't read that one okay yeah. I, was, I was balancing yeah and I think Sylvia Morano I'm not good at um I'm not the type of reader that follows an author through a bunch of works. I guess recently I've become more of that person, but Sylvia Moreno Garcia is one author whose works I just immediately pick up now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm not much of a catalog reader, but if there is a catalog I've read a lot of, it's probably Sylvia Moreno Garcia (laughs) and Nevo at this point. Those two are just like... I will read anything they publish yeah. at this point. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then and then also surprising no one, the fourth author that we recommended more than one title by this year was N.K. Jemison. I mean of of course, like inevitably. Of course. <laughs> of course. <Icon>. I mean <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. I would have been like shocked if, like, what if do we Jemison, even have to say? Yeah, was not on this list. I would be like, I I tracked this wrong. <laughs> Clearly I tracked this wrong. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like I, I don't know if any I can't remember if I've heard of any anything new coming out from Jemison this year, oh, but gosh. it'll be interesting um to see if we keep I know that I'm going to try to stop talking about the broken earth why would you why would you do that though? <laughs> uh, it's gonna be like that type uh who was it? somebody somebody was like i can't believe how much y'all are recommending these becky chamber books and then they oh, finally right. read That's it right. and they were like okay i'm not okay i'm not yeah. i'm not annoyed at you for over recommending yes. that anymore <laughs> maybe that'll be I jemison for- too i forgot about that that, that was, was a really funny series of emails i think that was my shy that was a shining moment in my opinion for our yes. podcast Just yeah like, oh, we over recommended a thing and it actually was helpful yeah <laughs> well that's the thing i always remind myself is that like you know, there's like data that I know about because of going on sales meetings with our sales director that people have to hear about a thing like I think it's like seven to 12 times sometimes before they oh wow before they like pick it up or click on the link or whatever. Like it's actually higher than you would think necessarily on average, on average. Obviously, there's exceptions to this rule and there's some things you hear about and you never pick up, right? Like that's fine. But this is a principle of advertising is that people need to see something or hear about it multiple times before they go looking at it in general on average. Um, and I always remind myself like, yeah, there are authors I've heard about a billion times, but mm-hmm. then one of the times I hear about it is going to be the time where I'm like, oh yeah, I should pick that up. Like that's, and obviously we don't want to do that with everything, but you know, an, an occasional, <laughs> an occasional lean in is, is not, uh, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, we're so overwhelmed by information yeah. all the time. That I guess I, I'm not surprised then. Yeah. And we, we do our best. Well, now we can talk about some of the episodes that you all loved. It's our top five most popular episodes. Always fascinating yes. to see this list. <laughs> so top at the top of the list is 
more favorite. So this is this one got the most more favorites from early 2022, mm-hmm. which is so funny because it's like I I kind of would have expected the second one is early 2022, so it's a part one of that um couple of episodes. So that came in second. Yeah. So everybody was more interested in the addendum to our- <laughs> We are overflow of lists, <laughs> which is so hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> I you know, it's funny, like I always wonder if there's like like what week was it, what else was going on in the world. Like there's sometimes reasons that have yeah. nothing to do with topic why a certain podcast episode True. performs better than another one. But that did I noticed that too and it cracked me up. It's like, well, who knows? Like it's it's fine. <laughs> I feel okay about that. But that's good news. Anytime we have too many titles yes. to talk about, we can pretty confidently decide to have an overflow yes. episode. Yeah, that's that's what I'm taking. That's from right, this. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, this one, I think, is a backlist mm-hmm. comfort reads in SFF. Um, and I believe this was. I think this was mine. Yeah. Um. And it's so funny because I I felt like there are so many ways in which we talk about cozy reads. And I remember that when we published a couple of lists, as this was in like the height of the pandemic, we published a few lists that were like comfort reads, cozy SFF reads. And I remember they got so many views and I think it's because people are still just like I just want to be comforted at this time in this timeline right now um and I felt the exact same way and so I always feel like I will enjoy talking about books that make me feel good and I always want to pass those books on and I did cheat in this episode <laughs> because I recommended a newer book, but that happens. And yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we did. We did do. I'm remembering now. I think you were out, and so somebody came on. Was it Alice or Kim who came on to the show with me, and we talked about some like you know chicken soup comforty read. Oh guest yeah, episodes. we we've done basically what I'm saying is we did more than one comfort read episode in 2022, which clearly was not a problem. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Probably we will continue to have those. We'll continue to update you on on the comfort reads in, in sci-fi and fantasy. Because clearly, as you said, everybody's like, I'm looking for it. You're looking for it. We're all looking for it. We need it in our lives all the time. Yeah. Okay. And this one was uh, SFF Mystery. That episode, I believe, was a guest yeah, I think so. that's right. We should have. I've, I just like dumped these in here and then didn't dump it in. I did a quick glance. <laughs> Jen Bale. That's totally fine. I, yeah. I prepared myself a little bit by doing a quick glance. Um, and hopefully I got it right because, you know, we have a giant yes. show notes doc yeah. that I can do control F on. Right. But, you know, I might be mistaken once in a while and. We've done some repeats, but I believe this one was with Erica, um, oh, yeah. who is an editor at, at Book Riot. And I realized doing this episode that I have not read a lot of SFM history. So I was actually thinking about that with the most anticipated when we were talking about that and really being really excited about um, the gas lamp mystery Mm. by Malka Older that's coming out because I was like well this is obviously one area where I could stand to read more books in and obviously it's a it's a big hit with our listeners yeah I think those genre blendy books are very appealing to lots of folks including us and Mm -hmm. I was just realizing I think I've read more sci-fi mystery than I've read fantasy mystery like I've read a lot of murder in space books I'm gonna (laughs) phrase that like you know like okay there's it's a locked spaceship like who's killing everyone situation um which I love. I love that. Uh, but I don't think I've read as much fantasy mystery. So that's an interesting thing for me to think about for for future reading. And yeah. 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 It's interesting. I feel there, there has to be a lot of it out there. Yeah. But I could only bring to mind science fiction mystery. Yeah. 
also. So yeah. weird. Right? Okay. Well, that'll probably reappear on yes. our episodes list. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then the final one is one I find very gratifying. Mm -hmm. It's award-winning short fiction. I find it gratifying because I'm always happy to read short fiction <laughs> in my very busy, busy life. <laughs> yeah, I, it makes me happy too because I really do feel like short fiction has gotten more awareness and play. Um, like novellas get talked about, I think, just tons more, at least by me yeah. than I used to and I think by a lot of other people because especially in speculative fiction you know people like Tor.com are out here publishing the bejesus out of them and making them more available but you know shorter fiction because this is not novellas this is like short stories novelettes and you know that kind of thing flash fiction which we've we spend episodes talking about um yeah a super fun to prep for and B, it makes me happy that people are interested in it because it has not had a lot of public awareness, I don't think, uh, in the past. And so I'm excited to see that, hopefully that trend continue. Yeah, I love, love a novella. And it's obvious that lots of other people do. And I also, I feel like this could easily become like an annual thing yes. we talk about yes. like the award-winning short fiction of the year i and i am so thrilled in advance to, yeah. be able to read some of those books. i i love that Novellas idea and short stories. <laughs> love it let's do it let us do it okay well, do you want to kick us off by talking about your personal favorite episodes to record yeah i was looking you know it's so funny to run the numbers on our most popular because you know it's good data it's it is very gratifying in a lot of cases to see that people responded to you know some of our themes or our whimsies um but i will confess that uh i picked not specific episodes but specific type of episodes i love doing the book club episodes and i love doing the page versus screen episodes there's something so fun and satisfying about diving into one thing and whether we're like comparing you know like I see you have Willow on here too yeah, like, yeah whether we're comparing <laughs> you know that or like thinking about like an adaptation very specifically or we're digging into one title that we've both read and, and sharing our feelings about it. I know they're not as popular. So like, you know, we take that into account when we build our schedule of themes. But I really love doing them. So we're never not going to do them as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because they're just fun. to. They're just so much fun to do. I think it's I think it's maybe because I'm not I used to be in a lot of, I used to run a lot of book clubs as a bookseller. Mm. Um, and that was always really fun and interesting. And then I'm not in any book clubs right now for the first time in like a long time. And maybe I miss it. Maybe yeah. I just miss that in-depth discussion. And so I'm taking it out on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoy those too. Like, I, I feel like I always get an opportunity to read something I probably would have pushed off or just not gotten around to. And to be able to talk about it with somebody else is also something I don't get to do a lot of. I have not historically been involved in a lot of book clubs, except for the Read Harder book clubs we used to have way back when, those I led. Yes, um, shout out. But <laughs> yeah. I know old. Uh, that's some history. That's some history <laughs> back when I was like a, just a contributor. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's always fun to be able to chat about it. And I think the Station Eleven, if you hadn't said page versus screen, the Station Eleven episode was one of my mm. favorite mm -hmm. to, to talk about. Like that, I just had such a good time. And I just loved both the book and the adaptation yes. so much that it was just like, Oh, I just can't wait to talk excessively about both of these <laughs> works. They're so good. Mm. So I'm glad you chose those two. They were very strong picks. Mm. Um, and and yeah, mine was the Willow reboot for the same. You know, uh, for me, I I like to sometimes have a break. I, I think it comes as no surprise to anybody probably that sometimes it's nice to have a break from reading mm -hmm. um and 
to just sit and watch something that's that's fun and you know I love film and television you know almost as much as I love books I love the arts in general and it's nice to be able to spread your wings a little even though you're we're still in the world of SFF like to be able to watch something like Willow and to get a bit of nostalgia and to just enjoy ourselves and talk about a thing Mm. we watched i obviously love that um between station 11 and willow and all of the other adaptations and just plain tv shows and movies we've discussed remember when we did blade i was literally (laughs) just thinking about blade i was going back in my mind to the ones we had to the shows and the movies we'd watched about i i I loved doing that as well. <laughs> I know some of those were like kind of trash. <laughs> it's good times though. But I still loved it. <laughs> I still loved it. Um, and then my other one is just like me being totally predictable. The Creepy Reads <laughs> episode, even though I felt a little bad because I knew that meant you would probably have to read some horror reads but you actually you know you did as you mentioned on that episode we both have our different versions of like what a horror read is to us or you know what types of horror books we will read and there are so many out there that it was I think an easy one for both of us Um, but I will forever love talking about horror and that's just me (laughs) (laughs) and we love you for it (laughs) yeah I I hope so I hope nobody's annoyed by all the horror picks because I can tell you there's more to come (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's those are the stats. Them's the stats. That's the data. <laughs> and it makes me so excited to try and incorporate more of this stuff into our list of episodes every year. And I'm always curious about what our listeners are into and, you know, being able to reflect on what we were into mm-hmm. in the previous year. This always feels very cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. SFFia is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Again, many <laughs> thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode, especially when we are sick and trying our best. <laughs> uh, for more recommendations, you can check out bookriot.com and you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyatbookriot.com. Let us know if you have any favorite episodes or if you have any recommendations for things you're interested in hearing us talk about. Uh, If you have a moment, please do review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It does help people find us, and we really appreciate it when you go out of your way. And you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? I am still only on Tumblr these days, so Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And I am on Instagram at S Zinov Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll catch y'all next time. Bye.